Hello there, my name is William Herbert and I'm your host of The Advisor, the best podcast on Anchor. So this is episode one and we're going to be covering uh, the Quebec separatist movement and the referendums of 1980 and 95. Hope you enjoy. To understand the Quebec referendums of 1980 and 95, it is necessary to understand the past. Maurice Duplessis served as the 16th Premier of Quebec from 1936 to 1939 and from 1944 to 1959. Duplessis's time in power is referred to as the Great Darkness, for his policy was extremely traditional and conservative. The Roman Catholic Church was heavily involved in its political campaigns and in government. He invested in rural areas, not city development, and invested little in social services. Duplessis was anti-communist and opposed unions. He attempted to eliminate labor union rights, but was met with significant labor strikes. He was strongly against freedom of religion, as he once used his power to take a liquor license from a member of Jehovah's Witness. Duplessis was famously fined $33,000. His government was known for partisan politics. For example, he did not grant road repairs which obstructed commerce in a town for the sole reason that the member of National Assembly was liberal. Maurice Duplessis' regime in Quebec ended in 1959 when he died of a stroke. A turning point in Quebec's history was about to occur. Jean Lissage of the Liberal Party took power in 1960. He was Premier from 1960 to 66 and brought tremendous change. This time was called the Quiet Revolution. Jean Lissage and the Liberal Party campaigned on the slogans Il fait que que change, Things have to change, and Maitre chez nous, Masters of our own house. Healthcare and education had always been under the direct control of the Roman Catholic Church. Jean Lissage transitioned the control to the provincial government. Lissage eliminated church involvement in the the government in general. He created the health and education ministries in Quebec, expanded the public service, and invested in provincial infrastructure and the public education system. The government unionized the civil service. Separatism and sovereignty popularity had increased. French Canadians created a separate identity from France and nicknamed themselves Québécois. Quebec, Canada, and the West in general were improving economically and socially, largely due to the 20-year post-war expansion. Quebec's influence on federal politics increased as French Canadians were role players in the direction of the federal government and national policy. Union National Party took power in 1966 until 1970. Most agree that the Quiet Revolution had ended. The party's platform largely believed in Quebec nationalism and autonomism. Evidently, the Quebec separatist movement had begun. On July 24, 1967, the French president, Charles de Gaulle, attended the Expo 67 in Montreal. While giving an address from the balcony of the Montreal City Hall, he famously said, Vive le Québec libre! Long live free Québec! 
This was seen as an act of support to the separatist movement in Quebec. De Gaulle's speech sparked controversy between the Canadian government and France and was seen as a major breach of protocol on de Gaulle's part. The economic landscape in 1967 was not thriving, and with the support of a foreign president, this was seen to add credibility to the separatist movement. The FLQ was a separatist terrorist group that had conducted various violent incidents between 1963 and 1970. In 1969, the FLQ bombed the Montreal Stock Exchange that seriously injured 27 people and caused significant damage to the building. The FLQ attacks culminated in what is known now today as the 1970 October Crisis. The crisis started with the October 5th kidnapping of James Cross, the British Trade Commissioner. On October 10th, the Chenier cell of the FLQ kidnapped the Minister of Labour and Vice Premier of Quebec, Pierre Laporte. He was found murdered in the back of a car later that month. James Cross was eventually located and saved in December of 1970. The October crisis led to the end of the FLQ and loss of support through violent means to attain Quebec independence. This led to gain support for Parti Québécois, who took power in 1976. In the election of 1976, Parti Québécois had campaigned on the promise of a referendum to renegotiate the constitutional agreement with Canada and effectively leaving Canada and becoming an independent state. René Levesque was the leader of the Parti Québécois. In May 1979, Pierre Trudeau lost the federal election to the Conservatives and Joe Clark, a Prime Minister who had no influence on Quebec and a minority government created the ideal conditions for a referendum. The referendum was announced for fall 1980, and the referendum question was announced in late December 79. The question was rather confusing and did not clearly state that Quebec would leave all strings attached from Canada. In early December, the federal election took place. Pierre Trudeau beat Joe Clark and won 74 of 75 ridings in Quebec, and it signified that the Quebecois believed in their fellow French-Canadian Trudeau and would vote no in the referendum. The referendum was held on May 20, 1980. An astonishing 86% of Quebec citizens voted in the referendum. The referendum was rejected by 60%. 50% of Francophone voters rejected the vote, which can be attributed to a clumsy mistake by Lise Payette. Payette was Parti Québécois Minister of State for the Status of Women. In the speech at the National Assembly of International Women's Day, where she critiqued this stereotype that Yvette, a children's book character that was a good little girl that helped clean around the house, uh, Lise Payette to Claude Ryan, who is a leader of the No side, said that he wanted women to remain Yvette, and she said that, the, that his wife was Yvette. Before the scandal, trends showed that 47% of Quebec Québécois were in favor of yes. So we're going to have our first guest speaker of this podcast. Her name is Nancy McGuigan. She's one of my mom's closest friends. And she is going to tell the the, the story and the perspective of being an English-speaking family um, and growing up in Montreal, not knowing a lot of French, 
and why and how she moved back to Ontario and left Quebec. Hope you enjoy. I was born and raised in Montreal. And during the FLQ crisis, I was young, but I remember it being a very stressful time for my family. In the early 80s, when I graduated from university, I headed to Toronto along with most of my friends. We were looking for career opportunities, advancements that we wouldn't have accessible if we stayed in Montreal due to the French language. I think there was a big exodus in the 70s and 80s, and because of that, the economy uh, really was hurt in Montreal, and I believe it continues to this day because of this. Despite the loss, Parti Québécois was re-elected. In May 85, the Parti Québécois announced the agreements Quebec would need to support patriation of the Canadian Constitution. The agreement included Quebec's distinct status and the right to veto federal-provincial agreements with adequate compensation. At the Meech Lake Accord, Brian Mulroney and Robert Bourassa, who, were the current, who was the current Premier of Quebec, reached the agreement on Quebec's distinct society and other constitutional changes for Quebec. The agreement required the approval of all provinces, and Newfoundland and Manitoba did not accept. Famously, Elijah Harper rejected the agreement. Parti Québécois came back into power in 94 and immediately held another referendum to decide whether they would become an independent country from Canada. The 95 referendum had extremely high turnout at 93%. The no side won by a very close margin at 51%. So we're having a guest speaker come in now. Her name is Jose and she's one of my dad's close friends. Um, she's a lawyer and works in Toronto. She is a French-Canadian, and she's going to talk about how um, the experience of being Québécois and as a French-Canadian through the events of the 1990 referendum and after that. Bonjour, mon nom est José Turcotte. J'ai grandi dans la ville de Québec et j'étais à la Faculté de droit de l'Université d'Ottawa en 1995 durant le second référendum sur la souveraineté du Québec. Personnellement, je n'étais pas très en faveur de la souveraineté, mais j'avais des amis et des proches qui avaient des perspectives différentes. Je me rappelle très bien de, de l'incertitude et des questions qui flottaient dans l'air concernant l'économie, les pensions et les emplois. Le jour du référendum, il y avait beaucoup d'anxiété et d'excitation dans l'air, et ce soir-là, le vote était très près, près, presque 51 Il a fallu avoir des recomptes. C'est vraiment dur de croire qu'il s'agit déjà de 25 ans depuis ce, cet événement marquant. Merci. As a translation, she says, Hi, my name is Josée Turcotte, and I grew up in Quebec City and was going to law school in Ottawa during the 1995 referendum. Personally, I wasn't in favor of sovereignty, but some of my friends were. I was concerned about what the effect of sovereignty would be on jobs, pensions, and the economy. The day of the referendum, there was a lot of anxiety in the air. The vote ended up being very close, almost 51%. It is hard to believe it has been 25 years since these events. Ultimately, in 2006, the House of Commons recognized Quebec as a distinct society. Parti Québécois still stands for sovereignty from Canada, and there are still a small group of Quebecers that want to separate from Canada. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Advisor, hosted by myself, amazing William Alexander Herbert. Thank you.